This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Our last podcast, since we're in the Hanukkah and the Christmas season 2019, I shared out of Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and other scriptures but primarily about the great joy. In fact, Luke 2.10 says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And I share with you the familiar song that we all sang growing up, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I also share with you a portion that was narrated by professional voice of a part of my book, Born to Die where we, in that particular podcast, quoted the late Dr. C. Truman Davis, who gave a medical description of what the crucifixion would have been like. Although I didn't share this scripture in the last podcast, I would encourage you to read Psalm 22. It was about the suffering, the praise, and the posterity of the Messiah. It starts out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it is really a prophetic scripture written long before Jesus went to the cross. And if you remember, on the cross, Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Reading through Psalms 22 really opens up our understanding of the prophetic scriptures written before Jesus actually went to the cross. So I encourage you to read that as well. Today I'm going to share another portion of the professional voice narration of my book, Born to Die. We're going to talk about the peace of God, the light of God. Because the Lord was our peace offering, we have so much to be grateful for. In fact, the initial airing of this particular podcast should be December 23rd, 2019. December 22nd, 2019, yesterday, was the beginning of Hanukkah, or is also known as the Festival of Lights, or often called that. It's a holiday of celebration with the lighting of the menorah, traditional foods, games, gifts. It's a, it's a time, it's a festive time because it's a reminder of God's provision, miraculous provision. In fact, it's a Jewish festival that commemorates the miracle of a menorah that burned for eight full days. Even though there was only enough olive oil to keep the menorah candles burning for a single day, the flames continued for eight nights. What an incredible example and a reminder to all of us that even in the most difficult of situations, that God is still a provider. He does the miraculous. He is our peace. He is our joy. He is the one that brings good tidings to men. And in this season of Hanukkah and Christmas season, especially for those of us that call upon the name of the Lord as Christians, that we also enter this time of being reminded of God's extravagant love that he loves us so much. He's our provider. He's our protector. He's our peace giver. So I want us to emphasize a little bit today on Jesus being the light of the world to us as Christians and how we also have an example by Christ to be a light in the world. I love the scripture in Proverbs 4 verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of the dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday. John 8 Verse 12 says, once again, Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, 
but we have the light of life. Now watch this. He says in John 9, verse 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world or a city or a town cannot be hidden. What the Lord is speaking to us is that the Lord is our light. He's the light of the world. Joy to the world. The light has come. The Lord has come. At the same time, he's saying, but you have an obligation and responsibility to let my light shine in and through you. And you've heard me say, Matthew 5, 16, numerous times and many podcasts, let your light so shine before men. Now, this is Jesus speaking, speaking to his disciples, speaking to us. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father in heaven. Just like the Festival of Lights and the Hanukkah holiday is an inspiration to the Jewish community, it should be one to us also, because it took place at a very turbulent phase in Jewish history. And just like today, we are all going through difficult times. There's a turbulent times in which we live. But in the midst of it, we have this hope that the very light of the world is shining brightly in the midst of dark places so that we can let his light shine in and through us as well. Luke 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Oh, how we need that today. In so many polarized situations around the world, we need the peace of God. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Philippians, that the peace of God that surpasses all human comprehension, or the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that's human comprehension, human understanding. There is a peace that can rule in our hearts. So in this holiday season, in this Christmas season, this Hanukkah season, let the light of the Lord shine brightly. Let's have a time of celebration of looking at the landmarks of God's goodness and God's supernatural, miraculous provisions along the way. And no matter what things happen in our lives, whatever we go through, that we can find this hope that comes in the Lord and that His light can shine in us as well. And we can be a light to others around us. Take a moment to listen again to this next portion, which we call It Is Well With My Soul and Sweet Communion, which is a portion from my book, Born to Die, That We May Live, because it really is about the Lord, who is our peace offering. He is the one that brings us peace. He is the one that is our peace. He is the one that is the ruler of peace in our hearts, no matter what situations come our way. Listen to this for a moment, and I'll come back and close in time of prayer with you. True inner peace seems to be one of the rarest of human experiences. People seek it in material prosperity, but it is not found there. Alcoholics try in vain to drown their sorrows and find peace in a bottle. Others place their hope on finding the perfect sexual partner, but that kind of pleasure is always fleeting. And what about drugs, whether prescription or illegal? Yes, they are sometimes able to mimic a sense of well-being and peace, but do we really want our tranquility to be based on pills or injections? Although we may chase for inner peace elsewhere, in Christ it is readily available to all of us who are God's covenant partners— Jesus offers a depth of serenity that has nothing to do with our outward circumstances. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14, 27. What does it look like to have this kind of peace that Jesus promises, peace that is not dependent upon our outward circumstances? Perhaps you have heard Horatio Spafford's timeless hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. But few people know the amazing background of that song, an inspiring testimony of the inner peace available to us in Christ. Born in 1828, Spafford became a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago. He was a deeply religious man, active in his Presbyterian church as a Sunday school teacher and lay leader. Beginning in the 1870s, Spafford's faith was tested by a chain of tragic events. In 1871, the Great Chicago Fire destroyed a huge portion of the Spafford's real estate investments. In 1873, a physician counseled the Spaffords to take an extended vacation for the sake of Mrs. Spafford's health and the family's well-being. Knowing their dear friend Dwight L. Moody would be preaching in an evangelistic tour of England, the Spaffords decided to vacation there. Spafford's wife, Anna, and their four daughters, Maggie, Tanetta, Annie, and Bessie, boarded an American ship named the SS Ville du Havre. Detained due to business, Mr. Spafford stay behind but intended to follow his family in a few days. On November 22, 1873, the Ville du Havre, sailing off the coast of Newfoundland, was struck by an English ship, the Lockhart, and sank in 12 minutes. 226 lives were lost, including the Spafford's four daughters. After hours of floating in the chilly waters, Mrs. Spafford was rescued. Arriving in Wales, she cabled her husband with the short message, Saved alone. Receiving the horrifying news, Spafford left immediately by ship to join his wife. Spafford asked the captain of the ship to notify him when they approached the approximate area where the Ville du Havre went down. Notified that they were nearing the scene of his daughter's tragic deaths, Spafford went down into his cabin and penned the words to, It is well with my soul. When the Spaffords eventually met up with Dwight L. Moody, Mr. Spafford told him quietly, it is well. The will of God be done. Spafford found an inner peace in Christ that was totally at odds with his outward situation. Look at the awesome words of this beloved hymn. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, lest this blessed assurance control, that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul, it is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. 
it is well with my soul. Horatio Spafford discovered the peace in Christ that is not dependent upon any earthly circumstance. This is pictured in the Old Testament as the peace offering, also known as the fellowship offering. This offering is a vow of friendship and a spontaneous expression of one's gratitude and commitment to God. The peace offering represents the intimate, peaceful fellowship Christians can have with the Father because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. The result of our fellowship with God and one another through this offering is a sweet aroma of peace. There were three types of peace offerings, the praise, the vow, and the free will. The Hebrew phrase for peace offering could be translated in various ways, fellowship offering, communion offering, shared offering, or well-being offering. Since it was appropriate to offer up a peace offering at any time, it was the most frequently offered of the sacrifices. As we have already seen, Jesus is pictured in all of the preceding offerings. But we must also lay hold of him as our peace offering. The cross has made a way for us to have intimate fellowship and sweet communion with God and with each other. This fellowship with the Lord purchased for us on Calvary is not a mediocre or second-rate kind of relationship. The Lord Jesus died to give us victory over sin and death, buying back creation's original intent that we would walk with God in the cool of the garden. Through the awesome work of the cross, we can enjoy unbroken fellowship and total well-being. The word used for peace in Leviticus 3 is associated with the Hebrew noun shalom. Shalom is a wonderful word that includes a wide spectrum of meaning, peace, prosperity, completeness, wholeness, and well-being. It is also sometimes associated with the verb shalom, meaning to be completed, ready, to remain healthy, unharmed, to make intact, complete, make restitution, to recompense, reward, to restore, replace, to finish, to compensate, or to fill up that which is lacking. Do you see the fantastic implications of this? The presence of our Lord Jesus provides us with peace, wholeness, well-being, or whatever else may be lacking in our lives. Peace, fellowship, communion, completeness, prosperity, wholeness, and well-being— these are some of the amazing benefits granted to us through Jesus, our peace offering. This truly gives us reason to rejoice and freely praise God, recommitting ourselves to the covenant we have in Christ. In addition to being an expression of gratitude and commitment, the peace offering was a vow of friendship. It was a spontaneous free will act born of the worshiper's intense desire to fellowship with God. Everyone yearns for true peace and well-being. But few people realize where those qualities can be found. Is the answer in more material goods? Of course not. Is well-being just a matter of having a good job or some great friends? No. For as wonderful as any outward experience may be, it is only transitory unless it is based on Christ Jesus and His eternal covenant. Lasting peace and well-being will come only from genuine communion with the Lord. Again, Leviticus offers some fantastic insights about this sweet communion. When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and Aaron's sons, the priests, 
shall sprinkle the blood all around the altar. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made of fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove, and Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire, as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Leviticus 3, 1-5 In verse 5, we see that the peace offering was made after the burnt offering. Do you see the significance of that? True peace or fellowship with God comes after surrendering to His will. We may look for gimmicks or shortcuts to find this kind of well-being, but we are wasting our time if we haven't first surrendered ourselves fully to the Lord. Verse 5 indicates an intriguing progression of steps to make a peace offering. There was first the wood on the altar, then the burnt offering, and finally the peace offering itself. Though there is much imagery in Scripture concerning wood, the main significance here is that wood depicts redemption, restoration, and judgment. Jesus, our burnt offering, was laid upon the wood of the cross, being exposed, shamed, and judged for our sins. On the wood of the cross, He became our perfect burnt offering. For the joy that was set before Him, Jesus was obedient to the point of death. Hebrews 12, 2-3, Philippians 2, 8. In so doing, He became our grain offering of sinless service, through which we have peace, fellowship, and communion with God. Our redemption and restoration are the direct result of the high cost He paid for us on the wood, the cross. The altar and wood in the Old Testament sacrificial system were a type of the cross in the New Testament. As the fire consumed the sacrifices, so did the fire of God's judgment consume our sins through our Lord Jesus. By now, a startling truth should be evident. Jesus is the theme in every verse of the Old Testament law. He is the literal, physical fulfillment of the Old Testament types and shadows. All of our faith, hope, and love can be safely placed in Him, for He is the theme of it all. That's why Jesus could challenge the religious leaders of His day. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of Me. John 5.39 Leviticus 3.11 contains another staggering prophetic type. Here, as well as in Leviticus 7.11-27, we see parts of the peace offering referred to as the food of the offering. The peace offering was the only sacrifice in which the person making the offering received anything back from what he presented. Both the person bringing the offering and the priest got to eat from the offering. This represents mutual acceptance and mutual enjoyment between man, priest, and God. At the peace offering, they communed together, fellowship made possible through the blood covenant that gave them a common bond. The peace offering was also offered with a grain offering, Leviticus 7, 12-13. And the grain offering was accompanied by a drink offering, which was made of wine, Leviticus 23, 13, and 18. Do you see anything significant here? The combination of these offerings represented bread and wine. Here in the grandeur of the Old Testament sacrifice system, we have a beautiful picture of Holy Communion, which Jesus himself instituted shortly before his death. 
hundreds of years before Jesus' passion on the cross, the peace offering testified of the sweet fellowship and communion with God provided by Jesus through the new covenant. The peace offering is to be undertaken in the spirit of humble thanksgiving and gratitude of heart. The unleavened bread and finely blended flour mixed with oil speak of fellowship or communion that is void of wrong motives and sin. Leviticus 7.12 How can we invite the presence of God into our churches, homes, families, marriages, or friendships if we are unwilling to get rid of the leaven in our character, which is so displeasing to the Lord? If the presence and power of the Holy Spirit are conspicuously absent from our lives, we may need to take inventory of what the hindrances may be. In many cases, the issue of leaven is one of spiritual pride. Just as yeast, leaven, causes bread to rise, so pride tends to puff us up. Paul warned the Corinthians that they needed to be careful that their spiritual knowledge didn't lead to this kind of pride. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies builds up. 1 Corinthians 8.1. He also told the Corinthians, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth, 1 Corinthians 5, 6-8. Referring back to the Old Testament feast of unleavened bread, Paul challenged the Corinthians to purge their pride, malice, and wickedness. Certainly the same message is needed in the church today. The peace offering beckons us to a wonderful new level of communion with the Lord and each other. But this is only possible after we rid our hearts of leaven. James 3, 13-14 provides a graphic description of the devastating effect leaven has on our relationships. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. When we lie against the truth, we are, in effect, resisting the lordship of Christ in our lives. Lying is a satanic tool for getting what we want. If we are more concerned about pleasing ourselves than about serving others, then bitterness, envy, strife, and confusion will be the result. James continues, This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. James 3, 15-16 How many times have we, out of our opinionated desire to get our own way, accused others and unwittingly initiated strife? When we engage in such activities, we put ourselves in league with Satan, the accuser of our brethren. Revelation 12:10. Our lusts and selfishness turns us into tools of the enemy to destroy and divide our brothers and sisters in Christ. Leaven in our hearts opens us up to confusion and every evil work. However, James also shows an encouraging glimpse at the wisdom that flows from unleavened hearts. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. 
Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James 3.17-18 The peace offering, reflecting fellowship that is a sweet aroma to God, is characterized by this type of wisdom. We are to be peacemakers, not strife-makers. Our peaceful fellowship should foster wholeness, completeness, and prosperity. Why do people sometimes harbor bitterness, envy, and strife in their hearts? James says this condition is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Leaven of this sort is a cancer to our fellowship with God and with one another. A little leaven of this kind can indeed leaven the whole lump of dough. God wants His children to love one another and to walk in unity so that His presence and anointing might flow through our lives in an unrestricted way. Christ-like fellowship releases God's blessings. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands the blessing. Psalm 133, 1-3 Our motives, our thankfulness, our respect, our love, and our appreciation for one another all have a bearing on this corporate anointing. We should regard our fellowship as a type of communion. We are each part of the Lord's body. We should extend the gracious heart attitude of the peace offering to each other, just as it has been extended to us by Christ, Romans 15:7. The Apostle Peter had a special gift and passion for winning the lost, but he also realized that outreach would be hindered if believers failed in their responsibility to love each other, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4.8 Be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. 2 Peter 3.14b Jesus, our peace offering, desires for us to diligently seek him, manifesting his covenant of peace through us to a needy world. May we come before him with spontaneous adoration, praise, and thanksgiving for what he has already done. May we renew our vow to covenant relationship with him and with one another, enjoying the full extent of our fellowship and sweet communion with our Lord. I so hope that it really ministered to you in this audio version of my book, Born to Die That We May Live, to recognize how powerful it is to know that Jesus was also our peace offering so that we might have sweet communion with Him and that we could also worship Him with thanksgiving and praise and that no matter what we go through, it can be well with our soul because it's the peace of God that transcends all human comprehension. It's beyond human understanding. That's the peace of the world. In fact, I love this scripture In closing here, in John chapter 14, verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Think about that for a moment. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. When you understand the revelation of what that means, that Jesus is our peace offering as Christians, and in a world of difficulties that we can be faced with at times, that we have a peace that does surpass human comprehension, transcends human understanding. Oh, when we understand the revelation of that, then we truly can rejoice. Like it says in Psalm 100 verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving 
and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. When we think about why Hanukkah is celebrated, even as Christians, why we celebrate and recognize Hanukkah as the miraculous provisions of God at a turbulent time in, in the lives of God's people, the same would be true to us as Christians in the Christmas holidays, that it's not about just going to stores and through all the hectic things of buying and selling and giving. It's really much more than that, isn't it? It's about the Prince of Peace himself. It's about the supernatural provisions of God, the blessings of God, the joys of God. We have so much to be thankful for. In my book, Born to Die, I also talk about this. I talk about the importance of understanding that it's not about what we get from God, it's what He's already done. So we come before Him in this fellowship, this sweet communion with Him, just because, because, because of who He is and what He's already done. It's not about gimme, gimme, gimme. It's about God. We want this relationship, this communion with you. And now that you are the light of the world, we want your light to shine in us so that we can be a light in the world as well. So I pray that you've enjoyed this podcast and please take time to share. Let us know your prayer requests. We'd love to pray with you. You can contact us at somebodycares at somebodycares.org. And, uh, and you can contact us, give us your prayer requests, or you could also let us know what you think about our podcast and so on. And also make sure you, you download our podcast and our previous ones and share it with others. A word in season with Doug Stringer and friends. Let me pray with you. Lord, I just come before you right now on behalf of everyone who, who is listening today or those who will be listening. If it's the Hanukkah, the Christmas season, or another time when they hear this podcast, but the greater thing is that they would understand the peace of God, the sweet communion of God, the shalom of God. They would understand that the depth and the breadth of your love for us and that you are the light of the world. I pray, Lord, that whatever areas of difficulty in individuals' lives, that your light would be shed upon it and that your comfort would be with them, that the supernatural sense of the miraculous provisions of God would be, would be given to them, as well as a reminder that you give us a peace that surpasses human capacity of understanding, human comprehension. You are the light of the world. You are the peace that surpasses understanding. You are the sweet communion by which we come before you and worship you just because of who you are and what you've already done. God, I pray for your surrounding presence. I pray for your manifest presence. And I pray, Lord God, to remind us that you are our provider. You are our joy. You're the joy to the world, but you're our joy, unspeakable. And you're our peace that surpasses all human comprehension. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.